Newsbreak podcast. There was a grace period issued for this, and this was due to COVID-19 and the lockdown regulations. Um, at this stage, what can you tell us about that grace period? Um, when does it expire or has it expired? Okay, uh, let's uh, firstly clarify this. Uh, uh, with regards to the, the, the vehicles, uh, the minister issued uh, the directives that uh, with the re- with the vehicles, those that um, expired uh, before COVID-19, uh, they will be required uh, to 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 pay penalties. But those that expired uh, during COVID-19 were given until the 31st of August to renew their uh, vehicle licenses. Remember, this service started to be opened on the 1st of uh, June. Therefore, uh, they were given until the 31st of August. And beyond the 31st of August, there was still an effective 21 days as well uh, of the window period. So uh, all the licensing uh, outlets in the province have been open. Uh, we are talking about uh, 84 post offices. We are talking about um, municipalities. We are talking about those that belong to the Department of Transport in Wazimatan. But we do acknowledge that uh, we have had to close and open in some due to the fact that um, when there were cases that were reported of COVID-19 that affected uh, the operation, but we have made a submission to the minister uh, for the minister to make a determination on that one uh, as to whether there should be any uh, 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 amnesty or there should be any uh, extension of some sort. But however, for the vehicles that are expired, with the learners and driver's license or professional driving license, it's a different case as well because uh, those that uh, uh, expired uh, during COVID, uh, uh, there are no penalties that uh, uh, have been imposed. However, uh, all our licensing offices were have been open since uh, the 1st of June so that they are able to access those uh, driver license testing stations to renew. There are certain challenges that we are experiencing in terms of... Yeah, and about those challenges, Cornelia, because that's what's been raised to us, that, you know, oftentimes the queues don't move and it's it's, it's incredibly challenging uh, to, to make it through. And oftentimes systems are offline. So how does one mitigate these challenges? Yes, uh, we, 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 we're quite aware of those because, you see, uh, at times the plan that we developed as a post-COVID-19 recovery plan as a department, we said... Um, uh, we, we tried to work out a booking system to say let's uh, have a booking system where we inform the applicants uh, uh, as to what dates they are allocated. But we understand that there are people who will come uh, to our offices uh, who have not been contacted as well by the department. Uh, and because of um, uh, interest and people, that, uh, uh, by the fact that they want to renew, they will wake up and go to these service uh, offices. But the, the, the reality is that we can only service a certain number of people. If the number is 100 a day, we can only service 100 a day. The issue that uh, we are working on is the issue of communication and making sure that we are able to communicate with those people in the morning so that we don't uh, create unnecessary long queues for people who will not get the service. Uh, if the priority is the first hundred, that must be communicated to the people that only first hundred will be taken and the rest must also look for another thing. But we have set our shall also consider taking the list of those that you're going to be, to be turning home so that you started that list the next day. 
But we understand that we are experiencing this thing for the first time. It's a bit difficult even on our side. Uh, these long queues uh, are, are not supposed to be happening. And there are also matters as well that need to be clarified. For instance, the issue of the ITES that we no longer do it internally as a department. We are required as a candidate to go to your doctor. When you come to a licensing office, you produce your doctor's ITES report. So all those things, they need to be thoroughly uh, communicated. But we have said as a department, the managers in all our centers must make sure that they marshal these queues, they interact with people on the ground so that the message is effectively communicated and avoid people standing in long queues only to be told after you've spent five hours on the queue that we are not going to be sitting. We really regret that. We regret these long queues. However, the situation as well, we are trying to deal with an abnormal situation, all of us, that we have never experienced before. It's quite a bit uh, challenging. Sometimes the energy system goes offline, it's not controlled in the province, it's controlled at the RTMP. So it's quite um, a lot of uh, things happening because once the load and of the application... So yeah, Cornelia, but, but uh, I, I want to ask, and I know you've, you're citing there the lot of challenges that can exist. Um, I want to I ask you, though, because this is a serious issue. A lot of people, um, you know, have to spend such a great deal of time trying to get these licenses sorted out. It's illegal not to have one and not to have a valid one. Uh, there's so many road traffic in, enforcements where, you know, uh, um, a motorist could be, you know, on the wrong side of the law if they don't have one. But the process has been quite challenging, and, and let's just be honest about that. Is there no way that the department is trying to look at a way to manage it better, to ensure that this process is far smoother, because it's such a vital thing to do that takes you know, a considerable amount of time? So what are the things that the department is looking at to make the process better? Well, we are trying to improve the capacity of our staff in these uh, uh, licensing offices to make sure that uh, they are fully... Uh, equipped in terms of uh, resources and personnel. Uh, but also we are also exploring other uh, technological means and interventions that have been in engagement with our teams to look at issues like your online booking, your online renewal and all of that because we need to take advantage of the situation in the new normal and all of that. But we have made provisions as a department, we've engaged our teams, we are waiting for them to guide and give ahead and give a ahead on some of the proposals that have been but in the meantime uh, we appeal for patience what we are going to try uh, to do, like I said, the head of the department and the MEC, MEC begin to leave. Uh, they have uh, received reports themselves that visited some of these centers, and we all agree that the situation needs urgent intervention. So we are trying to beef up the staff personnel so that we can take as many people as we can. And with uh, the 1st of October, with the opening uh, of the country, most staff returning to office, we're hoping that the situation is going to improve, except for those that have got. Um, a certain uh, underlying diseases will be working at home, but the majority of the staff will be returning to work. Remember, we've had to align them working shift by shift so that we don't have the full staff complement because we're still uh, very cautious of the, the resurgence of the disease. But uh, now that it is a directive that also all government, government work employees must return to work, we are hoping that with the full staff complement we'll be able to uh, mitigate against this challenge. And let's talk about precautions in place. Now, what we do know of uh, license renewal specifically is that, um, you know, one is placed in long queues and one has to be in rooms 
uh, sometimes poor ventilation. Uh, so, of course, this sounds like a breeding ground for COVID-19. Um, what are the you know, mechanisms and measures in place for social distancing and to ensure that you keep the spread of COVID-19 at these centres at a minimum? Yes, you're raising a very important point. Our uh, strategy, uh, the post-COVID-19 plan that was developed as a department, looked into all those issues uh, before we open any office to public. <coughs> there were certain minimum standards that needed to be adhered to, and those standards have been put in place. Uh, we There's an issue of uh, a, a physical distancing that needs to be kept, and there's a clear marking that we have installed. Uh, people are sanitized and accessing those offices. And the reason why we are also struggling to save this uh, majority of communities is that there are certain numbers that we need to take it, a, a certain number of people that we need to accommodate inside the office. So all those issues are affecting the pace of service delivery because we have to act cautiously as well so that we don't allow our centers to become... A, 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 an epicenter for the spread of the disease. That is why we've been very cautious in dealing with those things. That is why also certain services as well, like your eye test and others, we're encouraging people to go to their doctors when they come, they come with their reports because those we are trying to minimize uh, contact with those. Uh, but uh, obviously we are all learning in this process we are also analyzing certain things that we can improve, but we do have compliance officers in place who are monitoring that current on daily basis. Cornelia, I want to ask about, and there are some questions coming through here, and we're going to be tr- trying to tackle them as as um, we proceed with the program. So please, you know, if you've got any issue to talk about, let's just go ahead and try and raise it. But I want to ask you about alternatives to um, applying for your driver's license, whether it is the vehicle disc or your license card, identification card. Um, what are some of the alternative ways that South Africans could do this without having to come to a centre. Specifically for the driver's licence card, is there any online platform that South Africans um, can obtain this card? Well, like I, like I was saying, that um, as a department, we have made the necessary provisions as the province uh, for the uh, the online booking and everything. We've tasked our IT, they've conducted uh, all the necessary groundwork and they've given us a report. Uh, we've tested the systems ourselves, but obviously we are not the custodians of these processes. Um, the Road Traffic Management uh, Corporation is the custodian. That is why I was saying we've already written to them. Uh, we've uh, also invited them to make samples of some of these um, uh, online bookings. It's not uh, a new concept in our view. We announced it a few years ago in our budget speech and we started going, uh, I mean, uh, exploring it uh, as a province. However, RCMC, uh, uh, when we made our submission, they indicated that they are trying to standardize this for the entire country. But as to how long the processes are going to take, uh, I've got uh, no idea, but uh, the only thing I can confirm is that it is an issue on the table and there is a, a will uh, to expedite the process as we are now in the uh, been hit hard by the realities of COVID-19 that um, we need to minimize contact moving forward. We need to capitalize on the fourth industrial revolution. So at the government level, there is that discussion that is taking place and we hope that uh, the issue will be finalized agency so that we don't have people coming to flock in our offices where people can do while sitting at home, be able to renew, make payments, and also be uh, access their disk. We also, with the 
operating licenses. We've started uh, working on that with um, the taxi industry where they make applications online, they download the forms, uh, they send the application through fast mail uh, or scan email them, uh, they are processed and they are emailed back or, or sent back their uh, operating licenses. So it is a similar concept that we are looking at, except the fact that um, this one, uh, it's outside our 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 period, the department. However, there are engagements with our teams, and we are hoping that uh, the issue will be clarified very soon, so that we are able to move and improve the service. So let's go to some of the questions here that we've got today. Um, so besides that, uh, this is from Robin Gengen in Amplatuzana. Besides the time deadlines, many people have had economic challenges. What is the department doing to address people who, not to their fault, have lost their jobs? Meaning those who possibly can't really afford uh, the costs that come with renewing these and paying those penalties. Uh, is the department looking into this? Can you repeat that question? Uh, I didn't for for those the, who've lost their jobs due to COVID-19, and of course it's not their fault that many have lost their jobs, mm, you know, this is the economic mm, uh, time we find ourselves in. Yeah. Um, will the department be looking at a way to waiver these renewal fees, even if there's been some sort of, um, you know, uh, outstanding fees or in terms of, um, you know, yeah. um, what escapes me, but like, you know, as, as the fees accumulate, um, yeah. for not renewing your disc or your card. Uh, will the department be considering the economic situation of many who've lost their jobs right now because of COVID-19? Mm. Well, look, man, there's been a number of uh, interventions that government has made uh, to people who lost their jobs. But obviously, we understand that uh, the priority for many is to put food on the table uh, and uh, some of the issues as well. Uh, we will take it back, especially to people who have lost their jobs and all of that. It's quite an unfortunate situation. But look, uh, these matters, uh, we are a unitary state, uh, we are not a federal state, so we can't make our own determination as Guazul Natal. Those are matters that, um, if uh, uh, through the personal experiences of our clients and of our citizens, uh, there are certain views, I uh, really urge that um, they, they send uh, some of their inputs to us as a department. Uh, we will also be able to escalate those uh, for the attention of the MEC and the attention of the minister so that when they engage, because they meet regularly through visual meetings, we can't be able to raise these issues. But it's a decision that needs to be taken at the national level to say, how do we address the economic challenges of uh, people who are who have lost their jobs, who have lost income, uh, because uh, it is not by their own design, but at the same time we understand that they still need to comply with uh, vehicles being renewed, licenses being renewed. So it's quite a very uh, complex situation, uh, which we'll have to discuss if we need to lobby uh, the minister to consider the matter. We are prepared to do so as Gazumatan, but it will have to be the decision and the pronouncement of the minister. Uh, but we can, of course, uh, engage with uh, our people uh, and, and, and our our citizens and make submissions to the minister that um, there are these issues that are coming on the ground. We are the government of the people, we listen to the people, and we always want to be responsive to, to their issues. Mm. Mm. So at this stage, there's no reprieve, and that's something that's going to be discussed. Possibly. Not that I'm aware of, not that I'm aware of, but uh, like I say, we can escalate the matter and we can see if there are any exemption in such cases. Praline from Bayview, in terms of renewing driver's license, does the rule of over 60s are priority apply like it does in the supermarkets? Meaning if you've got a senior citizen and somebody over 60, do they automatically get bumped to the front of the queue? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are considerations for those, uh, the, the, the senior citizens, uh, the people living with disability, 
and 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 all those uh, specific categories there, there is a provision. In fact, those they don't even stand on the queues. The vehicles drop them inside our premises. They use a different um, access and entrance, but we, we do prioritize them because we consider uh, the health condition and the risk as well that is attached to their age and certain conditions. So we really have a provision for such. Here's a question, Cornelia. I don't know if you can advise on this, but let's just try nonetheless. Bina from Johannesburg says, I've been trying from July to get a booking in Randburg, but failed to get a booking around Gauteng. I finally decided uh, to go to Randburg with my uniform as a healthcare worker, and still I was ignored. My disc expires on the 5th. Uh, there were some guys who also spoke to them, seeing that I'm a healthcare worker, and the lady just ignored us. Uh, then said, call another guy. Uh, and I had to pay an amount of 500 for a booking. It would be good if we could apply for the entire renewal online, also upload all necessary documents. Thereafter, the officials can just SMS us to collect. Uh, so this is the kind of challenge that many face um, with regard to this, Cornelia. Yeah, it's a very valid point, especially because part of what we prioritized as government was the essential workers. So if uh, she's a health worker or is a health worker, there shouldn't be any uh, issue in terms of uh, prioritizing those because we understood that uh, they were required to be at work even during COVID. But I think uh, the, the important point that um, is being raised is the point that uh, we are all agreeing on that uh, we need to expedite the issue of the online booking. We need to expedite and improve processes that will minimize contact and make the process much faster and effective for everyone. I think we know that. Uh, but uh, we, 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 if um, she has not been assisted now, she can make contact. We can send them an email address. Uh, we can escalate those matters to the office of the MSC in Gauteng, uh, MSC Mamabolo, so that uh, they can attend. They can be it can be attended to, and see if uh, she can receive any assistance. Because at a government to government level, there are engagements that are taking place, and we are also sharing experiences. Because some of the experiences in Gauteng are not the same as experiences in Guadalajara, but we are trying to find a uniform approach to respond to some of these challenges that are affecting people. Cornelia, we thank you for your time, for taking the time out to explain to us about these uh, very important issues. Um, another one, ITES are done now privately at our own cost. Um, that it, yeah, has the fee then been reduced now because ITESs are being done privately? Cornelia? No, 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 there's not. Um, uh, they've not been reduced. Uh, uh, maybe I still need to inquire more about that one, but I don't think um, I did not receive any notice or a circular for the reduction of fees. Uh, but obviously, uh, some of the things uh, upon our engagements with um, National and uh, also considering some of the discussions we've had here, uh, I will appreciate that. Um, uh, uh, you emailed some of the queries to me, some of the inputs that were raised by your listeners as well, so that I can take them up as well with um, uh, uh, our MEC. I can take them up as well with national government. You can only find that um, there are certain processes that uh, are being in discussion, and when the government realizes that uh, these are the experiences of the people as well, uh, we might see some of uh, the changes and adjustment here and there. But the MEC as well as uh, we are in the October transport month, uh, will be uh, visiting uh, and spending time uh, to some of these centers. We've said that because of uh, the queries that we've been receiving, you must go there, not a hit and run visit, but where it's going to spend time, interact with people, but also understand uh, within, with our staff what are the challenges in terms of the system, why are we unable to, to, to take uh, 
uh, large numbers and improve the efficiency around the, this issue. So we, we, it's a matter that we are taking very serious because we know that to some, they do business with these private buildings. And some of them uh, are honestly law-abiding citizens who do not want to be in conflict with the law. And it's what we are encouraging because we want law-abiding citizens uh, who understand that um, the rule of law must never be compromised at no point. And therefore, we don't want to our own a system to create a burden for them. That is why we want to work with our people. That's why we are appealing for efficiency, while at the same time we are also trying to improve our systems and efficiency. Mm. Thanks, Cornelia. Well, what is that email address then that people could put forward their suggestions and issues? Uh, but I will SMS it to you. Perfect. Thanks so much. And I'll repeat that on the program. Thank you, Kwanele, for your time. And we'll talk to you soon about this. Thank you. Okay, so there you go. We hope you've tried to answer as much as your questions as we possibly could today with regard to driver license renewal. Um, hopefully we've brought you some sort of advice um, with regard to it. And um, like I say, I'll be giving you that email address. Um, I'll be spelling it properly for you just now. Uh, so you will know how to email Kwanele uh, Kalane to put forward your queries, your issues, and hopefully those can be escalated. There is class in how they move the ball. There is style in how they score goals. And there's creativity in how they win matches. The Bundesliga Review Show every Monday night at 10.30pm on SAPC3. There is character in how they equalize. Would you believe it? Joshua Zerxi in stoppage time. There's game plan that leads to upsets. And that is how you win a game of football in the Bundesliga. There's drama, flair and satisfaction. If you missed out on the German excellence during match days, worry not. The Bundesliga Review Show is now available to all Mzasi on Monday nights at 10.30pm on SABC3. Hashtag German excellence meets Mzasi passion. Brought to you by SABC Sports. authentically and consciously this week on Afternoon Express. Live every weekday at 5pm on SABC3. First for Women Brand Ambassador and Miss Universe Zosmini Tunzi joins us via video chat on Monday to share how she lives her life fearlessly. Stienberg Farm Executive Chef Kerry Kilpin joins us for a refreshing cook-along on Tuesday. We connect with lifestyle content creator and social worker Clarice Ken Cross on Wednesday as she teaches us how to be our own boss. We turn our focus to nature and wildlife as we learn about the ambitious Noah's Ark Conservation Project on Thursday. And the talented Afro-soul artist Matt Hopper joins us on Friday to treat us to his authentic Southern African sound. Feel uplifted with Afternoon Express only on SABC3. News break talk. I'm Tarish Hari Prashad. Half past 12 now. I'm keeping you updated with the world around you. Um, I'm going to shift focus now to another very important issue, uh, something I've definitely wanted to bring attention to uh, today. And I'm sure I'll be doing a lot more of this uh, this month. But uh, definitely as a conversation starter, it would be important to talk about um, 
Pink Drive and their Breast Cancer Awareness and Screening. A free one. It's open to everybody and it's taking place um, on Wednesday from 9am at the Nelson Mandela Community Youth Centre. Um, this is brought to you by Revolution Motorcycle Club. And then on Thursday, it goes to the Phoenix Community Youth Centre in Whetstone, Phoenix. So um, what you're going to get there is clinical breast examination, education, mammogram screen- uh, screenings uh, to detect and diagnose breast disease in women and, and a whole lot of breast health um, advice and guidance. Why? Because October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. It's definitely something that we need to be spending time talking about. So I am so happy now to be joined onto the line by Nolene Cotchen. She's the founder and the CEO of Pink Drive, an organization making great inroads to do this kind of support screening and health assessment for a lot of people uh, to ensure that um, early detection is guaranteed because that means a better fight and a better path to fighting the disease. Nolene, we thank you for your time today. Thank you, Parish, and um, hello to all your listeners. So before we talk about the initiatives lined up for Wednesday and Thursday in Chats Within Phoenix, I want to talk to you about breast cancer you know, this year. And, you know, we know it's the most prevalent cancer among women in South Africa, one in 28 um, that's correct. Uh, those are the statistics that are, that is coming through here, here in South Africa. But I think what's equally important to know is that whilst we are, I suppose, celebrating World Breast Cancer Month, breast cancer doesn't happen only in October. It happens 24-7, 365 or 366 days of the year. But what's also very important to know is that men also get breast cancer. One percent of all breast cancers diagnosed um, are in men now. So it's vitally important that every person understands any changes that might be happening in their body and knows where to go and what, you know, what helps. To actually ask for. So what are these changes that one should be looking for? Well, um, you know, there could be um, secretion coming out of the nipples, there could be enlargements uh, in the breast. So what is important is to know what your breasts look like um, all the time. And if there's any change in it, you know, go to your local clinic, go to your doctor if, you know, those type of services are available to you or any sort of discomfort that you might be experiencing. And, you know, not to leave it. And think our message out there is that any detection can prolong a life. And that bodes well for every single disease that might be out there, you know, whether it's uh, pneumonia, you know, don't let flu become pneumonia. (laughs) Right now, don't let it become COVID either. So, you know, we should take responsibility for our health. We cannot expect government to be doing it all. As citizens, we also need to do our best. 
And I know from previous conversations, and I think one of the things that we as, um, I think, awareness providers on various topics, and, and I think something specifically like this on breast cancer, what we need to strive to create is that we cannot keep asking those same questions um, every year, I feel. I mean, I often talk to you and, and we talk about early detection and we talk about, you know, what to look for, etc. And I, I feel there's so many things that we need to focus on and we need to next level the conversation. So, you know, in a bid to do that, um, you know, we often know of, of some of the risk factors. There's so many risk factors that um, women are exposed to that make them susceptible to, um, you know, having cancer. But if you look at something like, um, you know, what you're urged to, to watch, and that is things like, um, for example, lifestyle factors, overweight, obese women, for instance, you know, these kinds of things where you're, you're encouraging women to have healthier lifestyles or you're encouraging women to watch their weight so that they're not, you know, pre-exposed or susceptible to, to it. But I have, to, I have to say to you, sometimes we look around and it's gobsmacking how the, how the cancer attacks because there are some really healthy women who are not even obese, but they still get cancer. So help us understand that dynamic about, you know, it sometimes being really challenging to, to identify um, who's going to get cancer or not. I think the very first place that we need to start is getting education of cancer as, as a disease into our school curriculum. It's something that we've been, you know, um, fighting for or asking, uh, you know, the Minister of Education to do for ever since I started uh, Pink Drive, which is we're now going into our 11th year. If diseases such as, uh, such as HIV, etc., can be in the school curriculum, then why can't cancer, when, um, as a disease, even if it's just the basics of education, so we need to start with our young people and let them be the ones that can be the champions and the advocates that can take the messages home because they are now in a fortunate position to be educated and take that home to their mothers, their grandmothers who probably never had the opportunity to go to school. And the more people we can educate, on the basic steps of what we should be doing. You know, it, it, yes, it, one talks about healthy lifestyles, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, we diagnosed four women who were comrades runners. So it doesn't actually make sense, um, you know, by, by just saying you must lead a healthy lifestyle. These women have led healthy lifestyles. Why did they get cancer? Cancer is a disease that chooses you. You don't choose cancer. Yes, we might be doing things that might, um, you know, aggravate and, and cause cancer to come about. Smoking, massive, massive problem, you know. Um, and, and it's a known factor that smoking does cause um, cancers, not only lung cancers, etc. Um, excessive alcohol causes um, you know, is a, is a factor to get cancer. Um, you know, we live in, in, in South Africa or we live on the African continent. We have fantastic weather and we, we have opportunities to go and enjoy, you know, the beauty of our country, easy the beaches. Some cancer is a, is a 
huge problem in, in this country. So there's lots of things. I mean, we all love having a bra, you know, um, you know, eating lots of grilled meat and, and brine meat is part of a lot of where our communities live. This is how they cook their meat. So, you know, the charcoal and all of that that affects the meat that can, you know, start our cancer. Um, and and yeah, so yeah. for me, it goes back to education. It doesn't matter where one starts, and the sooner we start, the better. So I do know that in this education goes to Phoenix and Chatsworth on the 7th and 8th. Um, I did tell you where, but I'll re- repeat um, those venues that it's taking place. Uh, breast Cancer Awareness and Screening. Wednesday, the 7th October from 9am at the Nelson Mandela Community Centre in Chatsworth. And on Thursday, the 8th of October from 9 at the Phoenix Community Youth Centre. So this is where you can you know, get more information about um, breast cancer awareness. Pink Drive is going to be there and they're going to be doing a lot of screening for you. So um, on that note, Nolene, I want to ask you if you could explain to us what happens at these at these awareness uh, sites uh, that Pink Drive facilitates so strongly over this over the entire year, actually. Well, I think, you know, most of, I think what's very important is to know that we wouldn't be able to be able to deliver such services if it wasn't for passionate people on the ground like you mentioned, the revolution bikers, you know, led by Clive Pele, who's been a huge supporter of us um, for the past 10 years. And in this instance, also, to Zuma, who are actually paying for us, or paying us to deliver these services to the Chatsworth and Phoenix community. So what they will be on the day, uh, there will be medical staff, will be doing clinical-based examinations, showing women and men how to do a clinical-based examination properly. If we, you know, pick up any, anything that might seem suspicious and subject to the age of the woman, we'll be able to do mammograms on the spot. We'll, and a mammogram is, is the diagnostic tool for the further interventions that might be required afterwards in the event that the woman is diagnosed with breast cancer. And once again, it's going back, early detection points along the life. There will also be PSA screening for the men for prostate cancer. Um, there will be education on, on all the cancers that we are addressing. There's going to be lots of other services as well, because we're all about taking services communities and not expecting communities to go to where they are services. And for us it is, you know, bringing that community health program to the people that need it most, regardless of where we are. And next week is obviously for Chatsworth and Phoenix. So our your listeners, you know, come down. We're going to try and accommodate as many people as what we can, but, you know, also help spread the word that if you are looking for help, etc., people are welcome to contact us. Even if we're not in a particular area, we will always try and help facilitate and navigate that individual to wherever help um, can be provided from. 
Wonderful. Nolene Kotchan, the founder and CEO of Pink Drive. Everybody's looking forward to your assistance this Wednesday and Thursday. Thank you so much for your time and we look forward to maintaining this conversation as Breast Cancer Awareness Month continues this October. Thank you ever so much for this opportunity and let's, um, you know, hashtag October 2020. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Nolene. SBC3 brings you The Good Karma Hospital this October. This medical drama revolves around a junior doctor who becomes disillusioned with her life and broken relationship and decides to leave the UK for a hospital job in South India. She travels there hoping to make a fresh start and finds herself working at an under-resourced and overworked cottage hospital. The Good Karma Hospital. Weekdays at 6.30pm. Only on SBC3. There is class in how they move the ball. There is style in how they score goals. And there's creativity in how they win matches. The Bundesliga Review Show every Monday night at 10.30 p.m. on SABC3. Salverstein into the box. And Fulkrug makes it two. There is character in how they equalize. Would you believe it? Joshua Terzi in stoppage time. There's game plan that leads to upsets. And that is how you win a game of football in the Bundesliga. There's drama, flair and satisfaction. If you missed out on the German excellence during match days, worry not. The Bundesliga Review Show is now available to all Mzasi on Monday nights at 10.30pm on SABC3. Hashtag German excellence meets Mzasi passion. Brought to you by SABC Sports. News break. Talk about a quarter to one here with me, Tareesh Hari Prashad. Good afternoon to the program. We were talking about a lot of uh, drivers and uh, vehicle renew, uh, driver license and vehicle license renewals. And um, we had Kwanele Nkalani from the KZN Department of Transport. And here's his email address for you if you've missed it. Um, it's um, K W A N E L E dot. N-C-A-L-A-N-E at kzntransport.gov.za I'll say it again for you. Kwanele, that's K-W-A-N-E-L-E dot Nkalane, that's N-C-A-L-A-N-E at kzntransport.gov.za and you can direct a lot of these queries through to him. He did say he was looking forward to um, collating them and seeing what best they could do with it. But I do believe there's some voice notes and messages still on the topic, so let's go ahead and, and listen to some of them. Hi, Tarish. Great topic on the, dri- on the driving schools and the bookings and purchasing of licensing. But you also know that the driving schools now, just like the taxis, have become and formed associations where people are not allowed to go to certain grounds. I think we have a democratic country and this shouldn't be the case. People should be allowed to sort of trade or go for your license or your learner's test at any place without any obligations by unions stating things. Can this gentleman please answer the questions where Driving schools are run by associations and it seems like it bullies which might lead to the taxi industry as well. Thank you. Hmm. Thanks for raising that local concern with us. To some text messages, 
Bully Mudley from Queensborough says it's human nature to hate queues. However, if queuing is unavoidable, people will queue. But if the queues are due to incompetence and poor processes, then it becomes frustrating, like this issue with renewal of licenses. Zahid Danbar says, um, thanks, Zahid. I appreciate your your um, your warm words of encouragement there. And he says, on a humorous note, though. Um, while hearing so much people stand in long lines for all licenses and home affairs, I just want to know, does Shabir Sheikh, Roy Mudli, Anand Singh and Vivian Reddy and other ANC officials stand in those long queues early in the mornings? So yeah, food for thought, Zahir. <laughs> Ramba Mudli from Phoenix, thanks for the awesome program. And Ramba from Woodview, good topic. Good uh, to hear the unemployment rate in this country. Most of our people are starving, walking and begging for food and going house to house. It's too sad. So um, those are the messages coming through today. Uh, Mrs. Nirmala Devi Mudli says, uh, any cancer should be taken seriously. Prioritizing cancer awareness programs and examinations on a regular basis not only will be detected early, but treatment to follow can save one's health. Live healthily above all cancer challenges faced. Um, that's a, a, a warm one there for everybody listening. There's a message here from Bina Ramthari. Om Sai Ram. Om Sai Ram Taresh. I'm talking about the Sasa grant. This month, people were told that they would collect the grant on the 5th, 6th and 7th. 75% of the people borrow money on interest to pay that. How much more in debt must this poor pensioners get into? And Sasa should actually, or the government should actually think about giving like how the people get a 13th check. The pensioners should get an extra grant at the end of the year so they could have a decent festive season. And if the corruption stops, a lot of these things will come right. Thank you, Bina Ramdari. Thank you, Bina, for raising the issue. Uh, Morgan Naidu asks, why the Department of Transport do not use the surname on certain days, Monday to Friday, A to Z? This will sort out the long queues. Thanks, Morgan. And yeah, those are your messages that are coming through. Okay, so some uh, important um, stories that I just wanted to share with you today. Uh, researchers who monitor the South African police service say South Africans find it very difficult to trust the men and women in blue. They say based on studies, South Africans do not believe they can rely on the SAPs to keep them safe. And they believe police members are involved in corruption and criminal activity. Now, earlier this week, Police Minister Beki Kaila said he hoped the newly gazetted South African Police Service Amendment Bill would bring much needed change in the service. Zeline Merrington reports. One of the proposed changes in the Police Amendment Bill is that officers would be vetted and undergo integrity tests. Police Minister Beki Kaila has expressed concern about corruption within the police. At the funeral service of the late Lieutenant Colonel Charles Kinier, Section Commander of the Anti-Gang Unit in the Western Cape, clearly said no one should be spared in an effort to fix SAPs. If things are done in a wrong way, and that includes me, nothing should spare my own head. Nothing. Nothing. We cannot and we shall not allow our people, women, and men in blue to be butchered and then we don't know what happened.
but reports and allegations of corrupt activity at the hands of those entrusted with maintaining law and order in the country continue. An independent researcher, Dale McKinley, says corruption is deeply entrenched in SAPS. One of the most fundamental problems in SAPS is widespread corruption, uh, both at whether that's at the leadership level or whether it's right down to the rank and file at a local police station. And this has clearly been well covered and well documented now for many, many years. And one of the questions that that raises is, well, we expect our police uh, personnel to be good public servants, to have integrity and honesty and to serve uh, and to have the best interest of the public at heart. And yet we find often the exact time for the exact opposite with SAPS. McKinley says it's easy for this behavior to flourish in the service because of alleged corruption at leadership level. He says this and what seems to be general impunity has not set a good example for the rank and file members. A researcher at the Socioeconomic Rights Institute, Tato Masiangwako, says the relationship between communities and the police is not good. From our research and the work that we've done with groups and communities that are vulnerable and often marginalized, the police um, are seen and known to be overly aggressive. Um, they're seen to resort to excessive uses of force, um, disproportionately and often unnecessarily so. And in the context of, of managing assemblies and protest action, the police are seen to lack key communication and de-escalation skills. And so from their perspective, um, the police are seen as a hostile organization, often sent to suppress um, and contain valid um, concerns and to suppress dissent. The latest Independent Police Investigative Directorate April to September 2019 half-year report reflects more than 2,800 incidents recorded, of which more than 1,800 are assault matters and 115 incidents of deaths in police custody. There are 43 corruption-related matters. That report by Zeline Merrington, a scathing report and a perception of the South African Police Service is something we've spoken about a lot, but to see it statistically and uh, presented in, with empirical uh, data like that by researchers, definitely something that the police force would not be too happy about. Let's go to this voice note from Mr. N. Governor. Good afternoon, Taresh. The issuing of driver's licenses and motor vehicle licenses have been for years in shambles. The authorities should have attended to this years ago. When there are problems, they must be rectified ASAP. This hasn't been done. We are still facing problems. I dread the days when I have to go to get mine. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Governor. Okay, let's talk about voter registration. The Electoral Commission of South Africa, the IC, has appealed to residents in the 96 wards across the country where there are vacancies to take advantage of the final day of this voter registration weekend. Today is your last day then to do it before that November by-election to make sure that they are registered. The Commission has expressed satisfaction with how things have gone so far, saying no serious incidents were reported on the first day of voter registration. The by-elections will be held in 56 municipalities on the 11th of November, and they were 
well postponed in March due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Wisani Makubele reports. Residents of Ward 13 in the troubled Amatlati local municipality in Stadaham in the Eastern Cape say they are longing for a caring and honest leadership. They hope the upcoming by-elections in the area will bring much-needed basic services. Their municipality has been accused of maladministration and was once put under administration. Residents say they will never abandon voting regardless of the treatment they are receiving from their leaders. Lula Mabongwe is one of the residents. I think the next council supposed to take care of the people. The only thing they, they're supposed to do, take care of the people, make the roads safely because these roads are so dangerous to our, our motor cars. They're supposed to build the, 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 the RTPs in order to get to, to, to stay safely because it, it's not conclusive the place that they, they are there. Voting also kicked off smoothly in the Northern Cape. Of the eight municipalities, two of them will be contested for proportional representation as their councils were dissolved due to political infighting. Residents in these municipalities are also aggrieved over poor service delivery. Most of people, they do not have toilet and sewage and unemployment rate is too high in our community and we do not have a proper house. It's bad because here yeah, there's, there's lack of services, there's no sanitation, water and sanitation, unemployment rate is very high, that's right. Poor service delivery concerns were also echoed by residents of Clipsprite informal settlement at the Emalathini local municipality in Pumalanga. They have no basic services such as water and electricity. They pleaded with ANC national chairperson and cabinet minister Gwede Mantashe, who was in the area, to help them get RDP houses. That report there by Wisani Makubele. Summer is in the air, and what is better after a great day outside soaking up the heat than to sit down and relax with SABC3 and awesome movies. This week on Friday, tune in for Louis Thoreau, My Scientology. On Saturday, join us for Love Me If You Dare, and do not miss the repeat of Contagion on Sunday. Movies all weekend at 9.30pm, only on SABC3. Okay, to news that made headlines globally, local political parties have reacted to the news of U.S. President Donald Trump contracting COVID-19. Trump is being cared for at the Walter Reed Medical National Military Medical Center in Bethesda, Maryland, and will remain in hospital for a few days, according to the White House officials. Uh, Trump is the third head of state to contract the virus after the United Kingdom's Boris Johnson and Brazil's Guillermo Bolsonaro um, also contracted it. Pussy Chimombe reports. Just this week, during the first U.S. presidential debate with Democratic candidate Joe Biden, President Donald Trump poked fun at the use of face masks in mitigating the spread of the coronavirus. I mean, I have a mask right here. I put a mask on it, you know, when I think I need it. Tonight, as an example, everybody's had a test and you've had social distancing and all of the things that you have to. But I Just wear masks when needed. When needed, I wear masks. OK, let me ask. I don't have to, I don't wear masks like him. Every time you see him, he's got a mask. He could be speaking 200 feet away from it. He shows up with the biggest mask I've ever seen. Closer to home, Freedom Front Plus leader Peter Hunovold has wished Trump and his wife Melania a speedy recovery. While Trump is in hospital, Melania is reported to have only a mild cough and headache. He is not the first leader of a country who contracts the virus and he will not be the last. But this is also proof 
that the COVID-19 virus does not distinguish between people. The ANC has also sent its best wishes to the people of the U.S. DA Shadow Minister of Health, Siviwe Mkwarube, says this is an opportune time for South Africans to remember that the COVID-19 pandemic is not yet over. This is an important for a message for the world and for our country as well that we are not out of the woods when it comes to this pandemic. It is important that people still take care and that we are still social distancing, that we are still practicing hygiene and we are still wearing masks. It's very, very important. We have seen second waves across the world and we will be no different if as South Africans we don't take this seriously. Meanwhile, IFP national spokesperson Mkulego Hlengwa says the disease shows that no one is exempt from its effect. We need greater international efforts and collaboration to ensure that we bring about healthcare services and assistance to all the people of the world. And therefore, the guidance of the World Health Organization and the guidance of science needs to take center stage. We undermine this pandemic and this virus at our own risk. And therefore, during this time, we hope that the American people will have a new reminder of the seriousness which they need to apply on this virus. The EFF has been scathing in its reaction. National spokesperson Vuyani Pambo. It is unfortunate that his stupidity and denialism and refusal to wear a mask has led to him infecting his wife. No one deserves to be infected with COVID-19. Trump's COVID-19 status must serve as an announcement to the world that the pandemic is still with us and we must take the necessary precautions at all material times. Leadership expert Mazwe Majola says Trump is unlikely to elicit much sympathy globally given his attitude to the disease, which he has often referred to as the Chinese pandemic. He's the leader and the president who spent a lot of time caricaturing and ridiculing and deriding uh, the pandemic. He downplayed the seriousness of the, of the pandemic. He actually spent so much energy attacking China instead of focusing uh, on his own country. And he devoted so much time blaming the World Health Organization. So, I mean, he has been so arrogant, really. So I, I, I don't think people will give him any sympathy. Majola says he believes Trump's contracting the disease will act as a wake-up call to Americans some of whom have asserted their right not to practice the COVID-19 protocols, that they ignore the pandemic at their own peril. Vusi Chimombi reports, you know, I was just saying to people that um, COVID-19 is such a serious topic and it's, 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 you certainly should not wish it on your worst enemy. You're wishing death onto them, basically. But the narrative, the conversation, the memes of everybody ridiculing Donald Trump for contracting COVID-19, still trying to wrap my head around that, you know, is, 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 is that humor? Is that funny? Is that just a Trumpism or is that the nature of society that even when somebody gets COVID-19, we will laugh at them for it? Um, interesting. I'll leave you with that thought. The program came your way courtesy of the team, executive producer Selma Patel and um, Rachel Vadi. We'll talk to you in the morning between 6 and 7. From Itadesh, hey, have an awesome day. News break. Lotus FM, powered by SABC News.